Hello, I'm Felicia Vereen, always known as Fee. Hey, Fee, and I'm your girl, Sharita Three, better known as Red. And, and we are Inspire Her, the Total Woman podcast, a new podcast all about uplifting you. Yes. Because, friends, face it, you are awesome. We'll be chatting up about topics we love to talk about, all the things we as women must juggle with every day and the issues we complain about. Who's listening? We'll chat about the struggle, the job, and about him. Mm. You know who we're talking about. That boo, husband, boyfriend, ex, whatever you're calling them today. Mm. Our lovely hellions. I mean, kids. Our angels. But seriously, friends, life happens, and we don't always get a chance to talk about it. We take it on the chin, and we keep it moving. Because that's what we were told to do. Yep. But here on Inspire Her, the Total Woman podcast with Red and Fee, we are the friends you love to hang out with. We are here to inspire her, the Total Woman. Yeah. Hey, Red. Hey, Fee. How are you? I'm good. You you say I always say I'm good, but I am really good today. Good. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Girl, this pollen got me having a little headache and sneezing and just feeling boo sometimes. But otherwise, I'm great. Well, hopefully our topic will help you liven up today. Yes, I'm excited about this. Yes, ma'am. We are talking about polyamory, understanding the polyamorous life. There's been so much going on in the news with people talking about what open marriages are, talking about cheating, talking about being a part of several different relationships and how that all works. And we decided, you know, we're instead of making assumptions and wondering about it and making up our own stories, we were going to go ahead and do some research and find someone to come on and talk to us about living the polyamorous life and we found somebody i gotta say girl you did that you did that i'm (laughs) excited we talked about it a couple of times and mentioned it a couple of times on our other shows but now we're like okay let's get into it let's educate let's inform right right so we're going to go ahead and introduce our guest antoinette cummings the relationship raven antoinette is a polyamory relationship coach that is busy falling in love with herself, others, and the world around her while others do the same. Her work within the polyamorous community is founded on helping others effectively navigate polyamory and the related situations that can arise in polyamorous relationships. Antoinette's latest coaching program, Uncover Your Relationship Needs, and ensure they are met, will be launching this June. Welcome, Antoinette. Yes, welcome. Thank you so much, Red and Faye, for having me. We appreciate you being here. So the relationship raven, I like that. Thank you. What made you choose that name for your business? Um, Honestly, there were a few components. So back when I was um, branding myself as a relationship coach a few years ago, my uh, best friend was helping me as my design coach and consultant. And we both were really, um, we're really focused on making sure that the name that I chose for myself and my business helped radiate 
all of my core values. The word relationship, it's there because of a relationship coach, but then also the symbol of the raven. I've actually adopted that in my life as a representation of me reclaiming my individuality and embracing my identity. So, um, and those are portions that are also core to the polyamorous community and what you experience um, while navigating polyamory, being true to yourself and your identity. So it just seemed really um, appropriate. And then also the relationship Raven just sounds really cool. So it was, <laughs> I like it was it. easy. Yeah. I like it. I really like yeah. it. Well, Antoinette, thank you for coming tonight. And I want to ask you my first question. What does polyamory mean to you? Mm, thank you. That's a good question. So um, as we know, like polyamory is engaging in in balancing multiple romantic relationships uh, simultaneously. But for me, it's, um, it's that. And it also means just being open and available to have enriching and meaningful connections with others and allowing connections to ag- organically grow as they come up in my life. Okay. Yeah. All so right. As a polyamory relationship coach, tell us how you help other people. So I help other people. Uh, One thing about it is that I noticed early on in my polyamorous journey is that there's a trend when you're new to the relationship style, you might just run out and try to connect with as many people as you can. You might hit a few walls. And there were a lot of frustrations that came up. And I realized that the most important thing that I could do in order to have successful relationships with others was to develop my relationship with myself. So that's what I do as a coach. I help uh, other polyamorous people develop their relationship with themselves so that they can improve their relationships with others. And what this looks like is me helping them to get in tune with their relationship needs, developing systems in their life so that they can make sure their needs are always being met, whether they're in relationships or out of them. Um, Also being able to have conversations around discussing their needs with others. I help people set and enforce boundaries and overcome the blocks that prevent them from having these systems and this healthy inner narrative in the first place. Approximately how many people are you currently coaching? So uh, right now I have about 12 clients that I'm working with at a time. I try to limit it so that I can really pay attention and remember every situation that's going on um, in each client's life. So it's a small practice. It's growing, but yeah, it's really fruitful. Okay. Now, are there different types of polyamory? Yeah, there are a lot of different types and styles that people can gravitate towards. And a lot of what people may also do is blend these styles. So some of the different styles, examples would be hierarchical polyamory, which means that people operate on a hierarchy where they might have a primary partner and then um, others may be secondary. Then you have egalitarian, which is essentially the opposite of hierarchical, where it's more of an even playing field. And it's not so there's no primary partner, each partner is treated fairly. And it's more about equity than quote unquote equality within the relationships. Um, There's also solo polyamory, where you might be a polyamorous person, but you don't have a dedicated person, a dedicated partner that you live with. Um, there's kitchen table polyamory where everyone that's involved or connected through relationships where they all have, you know, even if not close friendships, the, the term for kitchen table polyamory is essentially 
we should all be able to sit down at the kitchen table and have a conversation together. And then the opposite of that, you're looking at parallel polyamory, where some people, they are perfectly comfortable and happy with knowing that their partner has another partner and they have another partner, but these other partners don't really overlap and all of the relationships aren't really blended. Wow. Who knew it got that deep? So, <laughs> it, so it's deeper than that. Yeah. So how do people decide which type of polyamory lifestyle they want to live? Yeah. So a lot of it, um, what, what I always encourage people to do, honestly, is to learn more about it and to just to be exposed to what a lot of other people do by way of research and conversations, because what typically happens, as you know, like when people want to find out about something, something goes off in their brain and they say, oh, I like that or, oh, I don't like that. What's nice about polyamory is it's kind of like, you know, not to water it down, but in a way it can be kind of like a buffet. You actually have the luxury of saying, these are the elements that I want to experience. So yeah, a lot of people, they start off by hearing about it. They move into trying it. And through experience, they realize if it's for them or if it's not for them. And they make adaptations as they go along. So when did you decide to be polyamorous and why? Why did you choose this lifestyle? Oh, that was that's a really good question. <laughs> so I actually joined the polyamorous community and started navigating uh, this relationship type back in October 2020. So a little over two and a half years ago. How I found it and why I became curious about it is because I was actually preparing for an amicable divorce with my now ex-husband. And uh, we're good friends. It's just that we weren't a great fit for marriage together. And while we were living as roommates, I got to the point where I was ready to start dating again. But knowing that I still had, you know, a relationship that I was de-escalating and that we were working on separating our lives, I wanted to make sure that while I was dating, I would connect with someone who would definitely be able to respect my life situation at the time. My brain automatically went to people who are in open relationships. So I decided to Google open relationships and different types. And that's when I found out about polyamory. Uh, out of all of the types, I gravitated towards that one the most because it emphasizes the emotional and relationship aspects of connecting with others more so than it does about sex. Where do I go to find, do I go on Facebook? Do I, where do I go to oh, find okay. that community? Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I found my community originally on Facebook. Um, oh. So I'll, yeah, shameless plug, polyamorous relationship support is is one of the original groups that I was in. Um, and it's great. It's also where I do a lot of my community service, like hosting book clubs, uh, different things like that. So yeah, there are so many groups on Facebook for polyamory. And through those groups, you can also find um, different states and, and cities have local meetups. So honestly, uh, polyamorous people are not really hard to find. You just have to put them in the search engine. Okay. Well, listen, mm -hmm. you sound like really exuberant about it. Do you really feel free living this lifestyle? Yes. <laughs> wow. Tell us about that. Well, the thing about it is I, I love connecting with people. I think that, that that shows not only in like how I live, but also the work that I try to do. And the reason it makes me feel free is because, you know, it's for me, it's not just about, and for many polyamorous people, it's not just about the sex. It's about being able to connect with others. And that's one thing I'm able to experience more freedom and connection and polyamory 
um, even platonically than I was able to do so when I was strictly monogamous. Like you both know, if you're in a relationship with a man, um, once you're in that relationship, there is like a gate that goes up for who you're able to connect with. You can have deeper emotional and intellectual conversations with other lady friends that you would have, but there's a bar up out of respect for your partner if you can connect with other men. So a lot of other, a lot of relationships have to get pushed into a surface area that can't really go deep. So the reason I feel free is because, you know, as long as consent is involved, any connection is able to happen. Um, I have beautiful friendships with not only men, but also women and everyone who identifies in between. And I don't have to feel guarded or cap myself. I'm allowed to experience these relationships as they happen organically. And me and each individual is allowed to decide what feels best. Is this just best as an acquaintanceship? Is it better that we move on to a deep friendship? Is it a shallow friendship or is it a romance? And you know, once, once you're, uh, if you're not operating in a polyamorous environment, then those options aren't really available for you with each person. Wow. I love it. So out of the five types that you told us, which one did you gravitate to? And are you allowed to switch which ones you are involved in? Oh, definitely. Yeah. So, um, so switch. Yeah. That, okay. I'll answer the second part first. Switching is yes, people, it's cool because it's literally, you get to customize your relationships, you get to customize your life. And that's not to say that it's not done with consideration for partners that you've already made established relationships with. But um, because everyone in the community is so open to growth and being true to your true nature that you find a lot of support, not only from your friends, but also from current partnerships. Now, as far as the styles that I gravitated towards, I do, uh, I practice egalitarian or non-hierarchical um, polyamory. So, you know, my, like I do have one partner. Well, I had two partners. Now I have one, but when I did have two partners, it wasn't so much that the already established one was, you know, before anyone else, I, I always consider his, like his needs, his, our relationship, make sure it's being maintained. Um, but I also do that equally with each other relationship. It's just about balance. So there's that. And I also do par- uh, parallel polyamory. I can do kitchen table, which is like, okay, if my partner has a partner having my own friendship with, um, with someone else, I've actually made friends with my partners, other partners. Um, but if that doesn't happen organically, then I'd rather keep it parallel where, where I let my partners know, Hey, I'm respectful of your relationship with that person. I don't feel the need to meddle in it, but I'm going to chill over here. And when you have your time with them, you have your time with them and I'm okay in my space. Okay. Mm -hmm. In this partnership, there are different types of women are with women and and men at the same time how does that work like do you maybe have one partner that's a woman and one partner that's a man oh okay so uh personally I've only had uh partners that were also that were men okay um but yeah so that's me personally but there are but the thing is there are different um sexual like everyone has their individual sexual orientation and okay. that is supported within polyamory too. So you do okay. have people who, yeah, they might be like heteroflexible or 
uh, bisexual or just there's so there's so many different things. So however they identify where they may have one partner who is a man, one partner is who, who is a woman, or they might even have partners that don't identify as either and they might be non-binary. So this is a kind of transcends for a lot of people, it will transcend sexual orientation. And it's really just about individuals as they are connecting with other individuals. You said a word I'd never heard before, heteroflexible. Oh, yeah. Is, what does that mean? Uh, so that term is when someone is primarily attracted to the opposite sex uh, of themselves, but sometimes they might have a connection that is there where they will want to be with someone of the same sex. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. What type of work has to go into a polyamorous relationship to make it successful? That's a great question. So, um, so much communication <laughs> really needs to be able to go into polyamorous relationships because you're no longer dealing with just one person, one partner. Um, you have to be able to be really honest with yourself so that you can be honest with others while you're communicating. Um, And then you also need some technical skills, like being able to time manage and balance schedules and other life responsibilities. You have to have some emotional intelligence around being able to have compassion, empathy. There's, There's a lot of inner and out of work that goes into successful polyamorous relationships. Wow. So what do you say when you hear people say, oh, it's just about sex or it's just another way of cheating? Uh, <laughs> I hear that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what what when people are open to the conversation, I've actually gotten to a point where if someone seems like they are pretty set on what they think polyamory is about, then I I let them have their their thoughts on it. But when people are open to the conversation, I explain that it's the opposite. It's not just about sex. There are other relationship styles that cater to when people are only interested in exchanging sex. And that's not what po- uh, polyamory boils down to. It's it's one of the relationship styles under consensual non-monogamy that actually allows for, allows room, excuse me, for emotional growth and romantic depth and commitment. Um, and the reason why it doesn't boil down to cheating is because cheating can be done in polyamory the same way it can be done in monogamy. But polyamory itself is founded on open, honest communication and consent of all parties involved. So because there is that communication around, hey, I met someone, we've developed a friendship, like there, there can be communication at every single level that you're growing in a connection with another person. And the reason why it's important to share that with other established relationships is so that your partner can actively choose relationship experiences that are best for them. They can self-advocate and say, okay, I'm cool with you having your friend or I'm not okay with you having your friend. And they can continue to make the best decisions for them. Whereas with cheating, there's not that level of transparency and there's just a lot of mess, a lot of hurt feelings um, because of the lack of honesty. Gotcha. I heard you say cheating. So how does it Mm -hmm. become cheating if you are... Is it that you just don't, you don't tell your partners that you are in a relationship with someone else? Yeah, that's one example of how you can cheat in poly in a polyamorous relationship. So um, like I, another word that I've, that I will say a lot when speaking about polyamory is just everyone or a term 
is everyone being able to customize their own experience. And so within a relationship, you know, you and your partner can define what does cheating look like for you? What does a a breach of trust look like to you? Mm -hmm. And you two can design that together based on what do you actually want to consider uh, versus not. So yeah, it's, there are, there are agreements that can be had within a relationship. And if those are broken, then, then it's generally considered cheating. So my relationship agreement can be different with John than it is with Tim. So mm-hmm. we, okay, so it's just between us two, not as a group. Uh, right. Unless as a group, you're all operating in the same relationship. And that's the kitchen. Uh, that would be kitchen table. Ooh. You three would either be, <laughs> yeah, yeah you would be either considered a thruple or a V relationship. There, there are more subsets to how it goes in. Um, you blow yeah, my but on, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, a V or thruple, thruple, thruple. Right. And those those two are not the same things. But if you're looking at like three people connected there, there, there's honestly like we have charts, we have graphs, there are Google articles. I'm kind of like, I'm trying. Wow. To, yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Man. It's interesting. I never knew that all of that was out there. I just thought, you know, see how people make their own stuff up when they need to go really get educated on how things work. Mm hmm. Yeah, and inspire her. We're here to inform and educate, and that's what you're doing. You're bringing it, Antoinette. Well, thank you. <laughs> and without judgment. Are there any boundaries in the relationships that you set up in the beginning? I know you want to be free, yeah. but are there boundaries? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, boundaries, honestly, they are, I, boundaries are necessary in any healthy relationship type. Um, so, and that, that, that's true for polyamorous relationships too. So, you know, with boundaries, you might have a boundary that you place on yourself for who it is that you like, what type of people do you want to connect with? If you know, you gravitate towards certain situations that aren't the best for you, but then even within the dynamic, you might, um, set up healthy boundaries. One example that I give others because it may come up is um, around the topic of quality time Mm -hmm. and how you deal with it. If you're spending time with a partner, but you know, your partner's on their phone because they're spending time on the phone with talking to another partner while they're physically present with you. Um, So that's, that's one example of setting up boundaries around like, Hey, if we're spending this time together, this is how I would like to experience that. And it's not so much enforcing a rule or dictating this is how this has to go, but just really being able to understand your own needs and what boundaries can help those needs to be filled and being able to communicate that with others. But that was the only example I can think of off of the top of my head. But yes, boundaries are definitely necessary in polyamorous relationships. And you're right. They're necessary in any relationship. So mm-hmm. definitely understand that. So for those who say... You can only really have one real love. What do you say to that at one at a time? What do you say to that? I say that's not been the case for me. <laughs> so um, <laughs> even when I when I did join and I was looking to see, you know, I, going back to what I said, I was looking to amicably spit from my ex-husband and I found the polyamorous community. One curiosity that came up for me is, well, hey, I love love. Can I love more than one person at a time? Because... 
before I even knew that was an option, I was steadily just like focused on the one quote unquote. Um, and so just walking into this experience with an open heart, I found out that I actually can have a romantic love for one person at a time. And the truth is that we all actively experience real love for more than one person, but it boils down to society has given us a set of different constructs um, and structures that we were, that we all kind of just accepted along the way. And they, uh, there is, has been a mindset of allowances for how we experience these relationships. So to give examples of what I'm talking about, um, we there's not a tighter structure on having deep love for more than one friend or even having more than one best friend or the love for a mother with her multiple children or having love for more than one parent one sibling or more than or like lots of love for more than any one thing in particular but when it comes to romantic love it's been structured differently and how we're supposed to handle it has been um, defined differently for us. A lot of people don't challenge that. A lot of people don't feel the need to. I personally didn't feel the need to in the beginning. Um, and I think it's okay if people decide that they don't want to or have to challenge that. But I think it's equally as important for people to acknowledge that experiencing um, significant love, romantic love, different types of love for more than one person is valid. And many people experience that. Wow. It makes perfect sense to me the way you mm -hmm. broke it down. I, I definitely get it. Yeah. I had to remind myself of that often when I was kind of deconstructing myself from um, monogamous centered thinking in a, in a lot of ways. It's not so much that, you know, there were just a lot of things that I wasn't familiar with. And, and one of the things I reminded myself is, hey, Antoinette, what if someone told you that you could only have one friend for the rest of your life? You know, that's mm -hmm. just, that's personally not the way I'm built and being able to acknowledge that that doesn't automatically mean we need more than one romantic relationship, but just reminding myself that love is infinite. Like, you know, the thing is there are certain things that are tangible and limited like our time, but different things emotionally, even if we might have um, caps on how we spend our emotion, how we expend it and how much we give to each person, there is there it's not as limited as what as what a lot of people would would think wow right. the vocabulary that you use is like it's just amazing just the, the different language that you know goes along with that lifestyle monogamous center thinking like i'm like that's a new phrase yeah oh. some of the other things yeah i'll hit you with another one that was i that was like the long form of me saying monocentric but not okay. not everyone's happy with it yeah, not everyone's happy with that phrasing all the time, um, but it's but it's true, and I I say that confidently because I was, I am I embraced monogamy when I was in it, so I feel confidently speaking from both sides and being able to say I understand, um, both both modes of thinking, you know. So now that you are only in a relationship, you said you had two partners and now you only have one. Are you practicing? Mm -hmm. Are you gone back to? I mean, well, not gone back, but. Is it considered monogamy right now until you find another partner? No, uh, I I personally identify as polyamorous just because uh, it's, well, some people acknowledge it only as a relationship orientation and some people also carry it as a personal identity because they effortlessly are able to 
and some people they're between relationships. They're not connected to anyone right now. They're focusing on themselves. They're still polyamorous. So I don't consider myself monogamous just because there's availability and opportunity for me to connect with anyone um, as I meet them. It's just that I happen to be in one relationship right now. Okay. And this is one of the questions that I am interested in knowing the answer to is, does anybody like any of your clients, yourself, have you ever experienced one of your partners being jealous? Like, do you ever, do you ever feel that maybe someone who's not been in the community very long? Girl, I've been jealous. <laughs> you have? Okay. <laughs> yes. Like, does somebody, yes. Does anybody get jealous or is this just like, you yes. know, I love everybody wow. and nobody Nobody feels bad about anything. I mean, that's- listen, relationships are messy. So anyone, so anyone who says differently about monogamy or or polyamory, it's like, well, cool, you found the holy grail. Um, but really, <laughs> in the community, it's acknowledged that, yeah. <laughs> but in the community, it's acknowledged that um, jealousy is a normal emotion. It's something that all humans experience. And we actually, there's actually a really popular book, uh, a workbook called The Jealousy Workbook. It's by Kathy Labriola. She's a therapist who's worked with a lot of polyamorous people. And the thing is, some people would say that the fact that jealousy happens in, or it can happen in relationships is that that's proof that polyamory is harmful. But really, everyone on this planet can experience it, whether it's related to romantic relationships or not. And there's also a lot of emotional work that can be done around the topic of jealousy. The workbook that I had just referenced, it helped me to learn more about myself, uh, insecurities that I previously carried and was able to work through, and the nature of jealousy, that it comes from a composition of like anger and sadness and fear, which are also natural human emotions. So yeah, definitely people can get jealous over different situations that they're going through. Um, a lot of times it ties back to, okay, if you're feeling that, is there anger behind your jealousy? Is there sadness behind your jealousy? Is there fear behind your jealousy? How do you work that out? You know, there's an inner narrative that's going on that can be worked around. But that said, I've also, I I have some friends and I've met plenty of people that don't experience jealousy. Mm -hmm. And when I connect with people like that and they're like, yeah, no, I just don't get jealous. I tell them that is so cool for you. Like, but But I will say this, as I've done the, the personal development and understanding, if I experience that, where is it coming from? Is there valid proof that I should be feeling that? And if there is, what can I do to work through it? I actually experience it less and less because I've become more secure in myself and in my relationships and how I experience them. So girl, that sounds like swinging. No, <laughs> so yeah. is this a form of swinging? And if not, what's the difference? Explain to our listeners what's the difference. So swinging is under the umbrella of consensual non-monogamy, the same way polyamory is, but uh, polyamory is not a form of swinging and swinging is not a form of polyamory. So swinging itself focuses uh, primarily on sensual, en- uh, excuse me, sexual encounters with everyone's consent, but it doesn't have much of any margin for um, relationships to really develop. So there are some polyamorous people that do also swing, but there are some polyamorous exi- uh, relationships that can exist without sex being a component 
in the relationship. So again, polyamory is mostly focusing on actually developing relationships, not just sex, whereas swinging is focused on sex. She, she knew that. Listen, <laughs> I knew that. Yeah. Now, people say, they mm-hmm. say that, you know, those people that are in those communities are afraid of commitment. What do you say to mm-hmm. that? Um, I, I would, well, here's the thing, because it's relationship based, um, such like connections, polyamorous people are actually making multiple, multiple commitments to multiple people with everyone's knowledge involved. And it does take a, a great deal of intention on being able to show up those ways because we're not doing it for mediocre relationships or, you know, Hey, I have more than one average relationship. These are relationships that are helping us to live our best lives and have our best experience uh, experiences. So yeah, there's actually a, a really high level of commitment. And I wouldn't say that it's, I, I don't think it's necessary to compare it to monogamy because every person is a, every polyamorous person or any person in a polyamorous relationship is able to define what commitment looks like um, within each relationship. And each couple is able to like co-design or couple or more is able to co-design. What does this look like for us? How do we need to show up for our relationship to thrive? And they go from there. But I mean, there have been, I've experienced deeper levels of connection and commitment, not only on romantic relationships, but also platonic relationships that that I didn't experience previously before I started navigating this relationship style. All right. So have you or one of your clients ever expressed that they were falling in love with one of the people and wanted to maybe pull out of their lifestyle and become monogamous with that person? And how was that handled? So I have the personally experienced um, wanting to transition back to monogamy. Um, mm-hmm. But there are different people within our community, you know, referencing the group again, it's a support group um, where they've expressed either them wanting to return to monogamy or they say, Hey, my partner doesn't want to be polyamorous anymore and I'm struggling handling this. So the common encouragement is for people to really just recenter and become honest with themselves about what they want. You know, one relationship type isn't quote unquote right over the other. It's really just about what do you want to experience as a person and what do you want to experience in your relationships? So some people do make the decision to transition back to monogamy with their partner because, you know, they've, they have a level of investment or for whatever reason, they don't want to end that relationship just because a relationship style difference. Um, but some people do choose to dissolve the relationship because they know that they are polyamorous. That's the way they want to continue to experience their life and their relationships and they may choose to move on. So both situations happen and it's really just about people being true to themselves and what they want to experience. I like that. Okay. Well, um, what would you say to somebody, let's say for me, for instance, let's say I'm thinking about it. I'm toying with it. I'm going back and forth. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence. What would you say to me if I came to you and said, 
Antoinette, I just, I don't know. I'm thinking about it. It sounds interesting, but I just don't know. I would say take your time to do research. Uh, Find an online or local community so that you can hang out with the people and really learn more about it. And I, this is something that I've been wanting to share with a lot of people. Do more research than just watching what's on TV, (laughs) what's on Hulu. Because that's where we learn, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And those are, those are the shows where I'm just like, Oh, what horrible representation. And I, (laughs) you know, so, um, but I'd say to people like, you know, take the time to do the research. And that's, that's also something that I did right before I just immediately hopped into it. I found a support group online, which was through Facebook. And I started reading the situations that other people go through. And I, um, I started reading books on it uh, at the same time that I started connecting with others. So, and I remind people it's because I do connect with people. They'll slide into my DMS, um, not as approaching me romantically, but they say, Hey, I'm thinking about polyamory. They call themselves poly curious, but they want to know how can I go about it? without hurting other people because I don't know if it's for me and I don't want to try it and then figure out it's not for me and then hurt somebody. So I, I remind people it's okay to try out polyamory and see if it's a good fit for you, but it's just really important before you dive in to be clear on what you're looking for, uh, be able to articulate and communicate that to other people because everyone who's in the polyamorous community or who's actively like dating polyamorously, we're real people we have real feelings and we're exchanging real love. So it's not so much that this is about temporary connections or exploring. Exploring can definitely happen, but just take time, be honest with yourself, be honest with others. Why do you think it's becoming so popular? I wish I knew. (laughs) (laughs) People might want freedom. Right. You know. Um, I think, well, one thing about it is I think that people are just looking for more organic and like organic growth and authenticity and how they experience life in general. And there have been a lot of times where, um, you know, people are in, are in one connection and then they connect with someone, they're in one relationship and they connect with someone else. But, you know, in monogamous relationships, it, it doesn't matter what's going on in your current relationship. That other person, that new connection is off. And that's actually what I consider, like, I call that personally the forbidden fruit syndrome. That's not coined anywhere else. But I say that because people think about others as in, oh, I can't have them. So this this polyamorous style of relationships, it's beautiful because, yeah, there's not that level of constriction. There's freedom. There's openness. You're able to expand how much love you can exchange. And I really do think that despite everything that's going on in the world, we are moving into an era of people just showing more love to themselves and others, not just romantically or sexually, but in general. And so polyamory fits beautifully into that. Yeah, we all need love. (laughs) Channeling LL Cool J. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I think she is. Now, do you suggest that people seek counseling when they are dealing with people judging their community or way of life? Yeah, so I I definitely do. Okay, I support people seeking counseling, therapy, coaching in general, but especially when it does come to this relationship orientation that they're practicing, it's still really important. I mean, dealing with judgment on any part of your life can be difficult, especially when so many of us were raised 
to value ourselves based on other people's approval. Doing something that's not commonly understood, engaging in that, and then hearing unsolicited opinions from people, it can be discouraging if you are coming from a background where you previously felt monogamous, because some people who are polyamorous, they always felt polyamorous and they didn't understand why monogamy didn't really feel right for them. So they've already been dealing with that judgment. Hearing more of it can make them feel like they're still doing something quote unquote wrong. For me personally, at first I did start to have some doubts where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going against all these principles and you know, just what would anyone think? So I think it's it's definitely important to seek that type of, of help or community or just support so that you can stand in your authenticity and create healthy inner narratives around that. Okay. How do people with children handle being in a polyamorous lifestyle? Mm-hmm. So I don't have children uh, personally, but I do know that others with children, it involves a lot of time management, a lot of communication around how are we prioritizing uh, fit, like the family being taken care of. A lot of people do carry the intention that the children's needs come first before even our relationship or any external relationships that we have. It's really a high priority on making sure that the family is being taken care of, which is which is something I personally value. Some polyamorous people actually will go on to blend their families. That's, that's pretty cool. Okay. It seems like you really take this lifestyle seriously. This is a big part of who you are started about two years ago, but did it take you a while to kind of get used to everything? Did you go back and forth about how you felt or what you wanted to do? Or is this right? Or is this wrong? Oh, okay. That's a really great question. Well, um, honestly, I, I've gotten to the points where, you know, even with monogamous dating, you might say, I'm tired of relationships. I'm taking a break, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. and you just focus on yourself for a while. So that's, I mean, I've experienced that since um, navigating polyamorous relationships, but I haven't really ever gotten to the point where I say, yeah, I just want to be monogamous. And I've also considered, do I think that I just haven't met, quote unquote, the person that would make me monogamous? And I, I don't think that that's true either. After giving it lots of thought, I just love, I love being able to connect with people again as, as it comes up. And as I'm able to, and it's not, it's not primarily about sex for me. It's about the intellectual and emotional connection that can be had within uh, relationships, even if it's a romantic styled relationship. And if I were to recommit to monogamy, then I would be cutting myself off from further opportunities. So just for my sense of freedom, my sense of autonomy and experiencing life as I would like to, that's why I personally choose to continue on uh, with polyamory. Okay. I do have one, one question going back to one of your other answers. Um, you told us what type of polyamory you're a part of. Did When you did have two partners, did they know each other? Did they have the opportunity to meet each other or talk? How does that work? Yeah, they did. It, it was more of a parallel a situation where I wasn't all like we weren't all consistently hanging out together or anything like that but they met each other they knew of each other they were cool with each other so it you know they're they're both they're both relaxed guys that are very secure in themselves so it wasn't really an issue when 
you know, letting my established partner know, Hey, I've made another, like I've made a new connection. And I mean, my established partner, he knew when the friendship had butted into something more, when feelings developed, when it formed into a relationship. Yeah. So it was, it was a comfortable experience for all three of us. So what happens if you decide one day that man, I think I do want to have a child. How would you go about doing that? Would you choose one of the partners that you already have? Is that something that you guys discuss? Um, so yeah, the, my current established partner is not, we have discussed family planning and we've decided that for us personally, that's not something that we are going to pursue together, but we still do have a very beautiful relationship for what it is. I am open to having a partner where I may family build. And that is a bridge that as far as logistics, the logistics go, that's a bridge that I will cross if it appears. Okay. So one other question, let's just say one of the partners wanted to marry, I guess this would be, what was the first one? If it's not parallel, it's, um, Oh, or if it's like hierarchical. Hierarchical. So let's just say okay. if I'm in a relationship with two other people and I wanted to marry one, but I still wanted to keep the other one. Is that, I guess I can say permitted or, you, you know, you have to talk with your partners about it, but does that happen often? Yeah. So it's um, commitment and marriage within the polyamorous community. It's fun and it's beautiful. So there are uh, people who have already been married and then they will essentially quote unquote marry or have a commitment, per, um, a commitment ceremony with another person. Um, and all three people might live together or they may live separately. So those conversations can happen. And really it's, it's just up to you and what you want, but people, you know, they do consider themselves to have multiple spouses, uh, within this community, what I love about polyamory specifically is it's, it empowers each person in the relationship, not necessarily just one um, gender of, of someone who's in the relationship. And, you know, that that's, I, I say it where it's like, yeah, it happens and then it's fun and beautiful. And, and it is. For some people, that conversation may be a bit heavier because someone who practices hierarchy and is married, they may not want to have another partner with the same level of a commitment that you would give to a husband or wife, or they may not want for their partner to experience that with someone else. And so deeper uh, conversations will have to happen, but it's definitely a possibility within the community. And it doesn't always have to be a strain. It just depends on what each individual in the connection would like to experience. So what would you say were the pros and cons of being in a, polyamorous relationship Ooh, okay let's start off with the cons you got to be ready to do some work <laughs> and to like <laughs> look to look in the mirror and to be able to be honest with yourself you know really real emotions that may, you may not be exposed to or like triggers to emotions that you might not be exposed to in other relationship styles can come up in polyamory so and I've I've literally had you know, monogamous friends of mine where they're asking me, hey, how are your relationships going? And they've told me I would never consider polyamory literally just because I don't feel like doing the emotional work around my jealousy. And I'm like, hey, that's that's absolutely fine for you. So, yeah, the only con I would say is like and it's not even a con. It's just heavy work. But that would be like the amount of emotional labor that goes into 
making sure as an individual, you're in a healthy state mentally and emotionally to pursue multiple relationships. And as far as the pros go, I mean, you know, so earlier, whenever you were asking, how do I find these people? I was so eager to tell you what I think about these people. (laughs) And um, the pros, I mean, this is honestly the most loving community that overall that I've ever been a part of. I mean, everyone is just so ready to show love, to exchange it. And, And the thing about it is there was a purity in the quality of the love that goes on that I wasn't expecting when I first started learning about polyamory. So that would be definitely a pro. Everyone is like, or excuse me, most people are helpful. They are committed to their growth. They are committed to their authenticity and they're committed to other people being able to do the same. Have there ever been any concerns about safety? Oh, like sexual health? Yes. And just overall safety. Oh, okay. Starting to getting crazy. <laughs> yes. Oh, I just don't <laughs> hang around with crazy people. <laughs> yeah. So that um, so yeah, as far as safety goes, there are definitely safety precautions. You know, the same the same things that can happen um in regular stages of dating, you know, when you're starting off and you're just meeting this person you know, good practice, meet this person in public, you know, try to verify that they are who they are. Um, And then as the relationship escalates, you're getting to know this person the same way you would um, as if you were, as if you were dating monogamously, there's just more people involved. So safety is definitely handled in that way. And then with my question about like, oh, or do you mean sexual safety? Um, Yes, there are many uh, productive conversations around sexual health. Most times people dive in before they've ever had sexual contact with this person. They ask, hey, what's your sexual history? How many partners do you have right now? When's the last time you got tested? And again, it goes back to the open, honest communication um, because people want to know what's going on with you because not only am I being affected, and that's majorly important, but I have other partners that can potentially be affected by what I do too. So there are, you know, safety measures um, throughout the different stages of connecting with other people. Now, we know that in the Black community, grandma, auntie, all of them think, oh, no, baby, you just be with one man for, the, for your whole entire mm-hmm. life. You marry him. If you break up, you find yourself another one man. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times we say, well, they, they do They do a lot of that swinging polyamory, all that kind of stuff in the white community. What do you say to a person that says something like that? Like, I didn't think that we did that kind of thing. Right. Um, yeah. So that's something that, excuse me, that I've heard as well. And honestly, when someone says that it's more so just a white thing, not a black thing, I, I say that it's completely not. I mean, if you look at just different styles of um, consensual non-monogamy, there are a lot of things that, that black, like different black communities will gravitate towards. And there are actually a lot of polyamorous groups that are just for black people to connect with others. So the impression that it's not something that black people do, I feel like that's because of the way things are portrayed in media Um, at this point in time. It's not really showcasing all of the individuals who may participate in the community, but it, it's one of those things where it's a relationship orientation that gets to transcend what is 
a white person? What is a black person? Was it an, what is an Asian person or whoever doing? It's really just about the individuality. And that's another part that I find beautiful. I think there are, I mean, from what we see on a daily basis of actors and people in Hollywood and those on TV, you know, I think there's actually a lot of people doing it. And we just, you know, it's their business and we don't know about it. And then some mm-hmm. we do know about. But I, I, I do think it's quite a few people doing it, it and the way they portray it, it may not be the best. So we kind of turn our nose up at it and look down at it. But we do appreciate you coming on today to help us understand what polyamory really is. It And, you know, the way you explain it, it doesn't sound so bad. Not that I'm saying it's bad, but it just... You know, when you don't know what it is, you make up stuff. And like I said, that's what we didn't want to do. We wanted to actually understand what it is and be able to speak intelligently about it. So thank you for helping us with that. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I really, I really appreciated being able to have the discussion with both of you and just be able to share. And I, I love the space that, that you both have created. And so just to be able to share more truth about you know, the, the relationship orientation, the choices that people make and why they may make it, that really just, it feels good to be able to put that good intention out there and the good information too. Well, thank you for that compliment. And inspire her. We want our friends, that's what we call our, our group. We want our friends to know that inspire her is here to not only inspire you to be mentally, physically, financially fit, but just to be well-rounded and understand that we're not here to judge you and whatever relationship you see fit to having, whether it's monogamous, whether it's polyamory, whatever it is, you know, feel comfortable. We're not, we're not here to judge you. We're here to understand you and learn gain knowledge and be able to speak intelligently to each other about it. So that's what this episode was all about. Do you have anything else that you would like to say to our um, friends and inspire her? Considering uh, polyamory or literally are just, um, are just curious about it, then we would love to see you in our group polyamorous relationship support. And you're able to come and hang out just to learn more. Okay. If somebody wanted to get in touch with you about your business as a polyamorous coach, relationship coach, how do they get in contact with you? Oh, please reach out to me. Uh, my email is hello at relationshipraven.com. Okay. Red, I just want to thank her so much for just coming on and sharing her information. We'll have to get juicy when we go live. <laughs> Informative. We kept it classy this time, but when we we do plan to go live with her, so we can get real life questions or people that can ask questions in real time, and you'll be able to answer those questions. So I'm looking forward to that. Yes, that sounds exciting. We plan on coming back and and answering some questions, so you guys kind of digest this information. We're going to be doing quite a bit of stuff like this, and we may be able to have a panel more than one person who practices the life. Um, if this is something that you're interested in and you do have questions, you can go ahead and submit those questions. We will put a um, a post in the group, 
and you can put your questions on there. Or if you don't feel comfortable putting your questions in the group, you can message us and we will get those questions to Antoinette and get those answers back to you or she can answer them when we do the live. So we definitely appreciate you coming out and spending some time with Red and myself. We look forward to talking to you again during our live. And if you ever need us for anything, please feel free to reach out to us. We'll make ourselves available. Thank you both so much. This was awesome. And I loved hanging out with you and your group. All right. Hope that you love this podcast. We hope that you go out there on wherever you listen to podcasts and like, subscribe, comment. Let us know that you're out there because that's how we decide what we're going to do. You leave us comments. Some people even leave us messages on hey, you should talk about this, or hey, here's an article that I found. I found it interesting, and we love that because we will look at it and do some research and see if it fits within our group. And the next thing you see, you may be um, watching a podcast that you helped us produce. All right, guys. See you later. Peace and blessings. Bye-bye. We are here to inspire her. The Total Woman. Yay!